Amen. Thanks so much, Luke. Good morning, everybody. Really, really great to be with you. Great to be with you, especially for a dedication uh, service. I am sort of from Chichester. I'm here with my wife, um, Sue. In the last 15 months, we've been living in Leighton Buzzard. Anybody, any idea where Leighton Buzzard is? No. That's, so maybe online. If you're here online and you know, put it in the, in the chat. So it's halfway between Luton and Milton Keynes. And the reason for that is I've moved on from a role that we were doing uh, as I, I'm a Baptist minister uh, leading a church in Chichester for the last 24, 25 years. As Luke said, we've been here with the Southwest Baptist Association doing things for four days. This is the fourth day. But it's particularly good to be here because our son Alex and his fiancée Gabby have settled in this church, in Hope Church. So it's great to be part of this church. And now I work for an organization called LICC, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, as Luke mentioned. And I, I want to make a connection between their theme, which is all about whole life discipleship, and the theme of a dedication service. At some point, a PowerPoint screen will come up for us. So. By way of introduction, I've been here 24, been in Chichester 24 years and in Leighton Buzzard for, for 15. As a minister then, I've done loads and loads of dedication services, most of which didn't go quite as well as that one, which was just beautiful and lovely to see Florence's regal wave throughout it all, wasn't it? That's what we will remember. Tom and Jess have trained her well. I can, I can also, though, take some comfort that Jesus didn't say, make the little children come to me. He said, let the little children come to me. And I've done some dedication services where it was though I was a metal detector and the child was the metal. And the nearer I got to them, the louder the wailing got. So, so and the, of course the congregation love that. They love it when it goes wrong. And so at those points, um, I would pray from a distance, the Lord's blessing. But Zoe didn't have to do that. They did, some of them did go well though, and I have had the privilege of having been there in one church for 24 years, of having one or two dedications where I've, I've seen a child dedicated and then baptized, and then I've done their marriage service. And so I pray that kind of blessing on Florence and on your family today, friends and family who are here. Right at the heart of the organization that I represent is the idea that being a follower of Jesus is more than what you do on a Sunday. It's a Monday through Saturday thing, wherever you find yourself. We use the term frontline uh, for the place where you spend most time in your week, particularly with people who might not be on your page in terms of faith. And so that definitely fits the idea of a dedication because it, it, most of parenting doesn't happen here. We love it when it happens here and we see parents do some parenting here in a church building, but most of it happens throughout the week in a variety of different places. And I'm convinced as a grouping of churches, you're one of 2,000 Baptist churches that are part of the Baptist Union, Baptist Together in the UK, I'm convinced that we'll never really get anywhere until we equip God's people for their everywhere, for wherever we find ourselves. And so at one point in doing this role as a minister like Luke and, Luke and Zoe, I became president of the Baptist Union and I conveyed a message of, of where do we grow from here 
to our various churches. And part of the answer was to try and equip people for their everywhere, for, for wherever they find themselves. And I found myself borrowing the resources of LICC, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, and at the end of that, they asked me if I would work for them and lead their church-facing work, which I'm honored to do. And so now what I want to do is to bring you three verses that all have this kind of whole life emphasis, and then for us to consider them in the light of what else we've been doing today. So the first of those verses is Colossians 3 and verse 17. It's on the screen there for us. And it says this, and whatever you do, and just pause there because we can, we can so easily make that churchy and say, and whatever you do, whether you're playing keys, it's great that you've got a Nord Stage 3 keyboard, by the way, very impressive. And whatever you do, um, or, you know, if you're on some other rotor out there with the kids at the moment, or if you're in the welcome desk, all those things are right. But this wasn't written for that. This was written for people, whatever they do in families is the context. Whatever they do out in work, including work they didn't want to do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the second verse, a few verses later, says almost exactly the same thing. It says in Colossians 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. And again, that whatever you do, it has the context of wherever you find yourself. So this isn't so much the question of, have I found my ideal place and calling for life? No, this is wherever you are tomorrow, wherever you find yourself, do it all as working for the Lord, not human masters. And the last verse, again, says almost exactly the same thing, just to emphasize it, this time from Ephesians 6 and verse 7. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. And that phrase, serve wholeheartedly, it means more than just doing a good job. It means with goodwill with goodwill to those people even if they're not giving you goodwill back do it with goodwill and as I say all three verses include the role beyond church include families include roles you wouldn't want to do and include with goodwill so that's the gist of my theme you see a whole life disciple is someone learning the way of Jesus everywhere so if you're a plumber if you're a homemaker if you uh, and not in paid employment, but you're part of some sports club. If you're retired, it's where you give your leisure time. If you go out to a shop, it's the people that serve in the shop. It's, if you're housebound watching this online, it might be the carers coming into you. All of those places, whatever you do, do it all as working for the Lord, not human masters, with goodwill to them. One way that we convey this is with, is with some dots. Let me show you some dots on the screen now. Now, there are 100 dots on the screen, and six of those dots are red. Now, this 100 dots represents the population of the UK, and the six dots represent Christians in the UK. That would be people who identify themselves as Christians and attend church once a month. So it's not a particularly high bar, but let's go with it. Six dots. Now. We can have this view of church, you see, that we're together, like we are now, we're in the corner, and we can have some influence 
over the white dots around us and maybe we're touching you know four or five white dots and encouraging them to come and be a part of what we do that's part of the story for maybe a few hours on any given day but for the majority of the time it's more like this illustration now the same number of red dots six dots but we're out and about on our frontline places those places where you spend more time the majority of our time through monday through to saturday and including sunday and we're making connection with so many more white dots it's there that our influence really matters so the question becomes then what can we do there what are we supposed to do as christians as whole life disciples if we consider ourselves christians and if you're listening in today you for, for any reason, on site or online, you're most welcome. What are we supposed to do? Is it, is it just that we, we tell other people about Jesus? Well, no, not really. That's part of it, an important part of it, particularly if we're asked questions about Jesus. But if that's all we do, we wouldn't really be doing a good job and, and it would be boring for other people. So, so, so what could it look like? L let me illustrate that with, with six M's for you. I'm just suggesting these things. One of the things surely we're called to do, number one, is to model godly character. So regardless of anything that we say, we're supposed to be the sort of people who model something worth copying. That, that is something of the character of Jesus. That verse, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's as though we represent Jesus. Secondly, we're supposed to be the sort of people who, who make good work. So regardless of anybody sees the work that we do, we do the work as well as we can because it's the Lord that we're serving. And, and when I think of that, I think of, of Shaker Furniture. My daughter is called Zoe, actually, and she's just um, bought a, a house. It's a bit of a project um, with her husband, James. And uh, I don't know, I've not seen their fitted kitchen, but I know that Shaker-style kitchens are really trendy. You know, it's really simple lines. I know that they're not real Shaker kitchens because the shakers never made fitted kitchens but i know this if you want to know if something's real shaker and it's not a fitted kitchen it's some other aspect of of their furniture you go into an antique shop i don't know a lot about antiques but i know this if you want to know if it's real shaker you you look at a bit of the furniture that nobody else is ever going to see so you pull out a drawer say and you look at the joinery at the back of the drawer and if it's real that joinery at the back will be made as well as the front. Why is that? Well, because the original shakers were believers in Jesus. And their attitude was, God sees that. God sees that work. So I'm going to make good work, do you see? And then the third aspect is, we're to be people who minister grace and love. So other people would want us in the room in a work environment or in a leisure environment because we're the people who convey grace and love. And then we're the people who help mould culture in the sense that the culture of a place becomes better and we help mould the culture for better. And then even before we even say anything about Jesus, we say something about truth and justice. We speak up for truth and justice. That's the fifth M. And yes, we're to be messengers of the gospel. We're to convey the hope that we have in Jesus. And you see, 
All of this applies to any front line that you might find yourself in, paid or unpaid, including the role of parenting. So I want to show you just a brief video clip now of a parenting example from a mum called Jessica. Let's have a look at that. Jessica became a first-time mum during the pandemic. What do the six M's of fruitfulness look like for her? Giving birth in lockdown was hard. Breastfeeding was an agony of tears and blood. And no relative, no friend, no health visitor, no one could come and help. So modelling godly character involved constantly reminding herself that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. It meant putting her daughter's needs first, even when she barely had the strength to pray for the strength to get through the day. Making good work means changing a nappy for her daughter in a humble, engaged way. She does whatever she can to calm her with singing, talking and always being gentle. Jessica realised that there were lots of other first-time mums feeling isolated and exhausted. So she ministered grace and love beyond her family by creating an Instagram account to share her insights, her poems of pain and comfort, moulding a community culture of vulnerability and compassion. She became a mouthpiece for truth and justice, the truth about what lockdown mums were going through. She made a commitment to bring wisdom and support to over 250 women following her, paying for someone to access a feeding specialist, sourcing a special breast pump, offering the right tip, seeking to love each one with the love of Christ. And she's content as a God-trusting messenger of the gospel to walk along the road with friends till they ask her about why she does all of this. And then she'll tell them about the daily grace of Jesus Christ who gets her through. How do you see the six M's at work in your life? How do you, how do you see the six M's at work in your life? I love the phrase there that she, even when she barely had the strength to pray for the strength, and you may feel like that today in a variety of ways, on site or online, if you're feeling like that. The point is, this fits a whole range of different contexts for all of us. I picked that clip because it seemed to me to fit a dedication service today. But if you go to our website, licc.org.uk, 6M people, then there's all sorts of different little video clips like that. Six or seven, so there's somebody just retired. I see somebody wearing a T-shirt saying they've just retired. And somebody retired this year and what the six M's look like for them. There's um, a whole range of different things. Somebody working in an IT office and what six M's looks like for them. There's a cab driver, a taxi driver, and what six M's looks like for them, and so on. And so the question is, what does six M's look like for you? And for, just for today, what do those verses that I started with, what do they bring to us in this aspect of trying to be a follower of Jesus, not just here, but wherever we find ourselves? So imagine the role that you're doing this time tomorrow, or if that doesn't work for you, some other point in the week, paid or unpaid again. You could be retired, out of work, student, or in paid employment, or some leisure context. Now, imagine there's three roles. There's the, there is like the person that you are serving, um, as in the person who receives the work that you do. You work in a coffee shop and, and they're your customer. Then there is 
that your boss, the person who is in charge, the person who ultimately you're responsible to, and there is you doing the work. If we're to do our work in the name of Jesus and working as for the Lord, uh, as it says in those verses, my question to you is, where do you picture Jesus, if you picture Jesus at all, in those situations? And we should picture Jesus somewhere because he's promised to be with us always, in all situations, including outside of church. So where do we picture him? In, in those situations? Is he, is he the person receiving our work? Is he the person who um, is our boss? Is he, are we in some way Jesus? Well, I want to suggest to you that none of those is wrong and that all of them are right and that even though those three verses sounded the same, they each bring a different one of those emphasis. So let's have a look at the first of those, of those verses again. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, words or deeds, all those six M's, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you do it in his name, it's as though you represent Jesus. You're his ambassador, to use another phrase that the writer of this letter, Paul, uses. So it's fair enough, even though it might sound irreverent or even heresy, to picture you represent Jesus in a given situation tomorrow. There was a, a woman called Maggie, and Maggie joined a, a course to discover a bit more about Christianity. She wasn't a Christian at all, by any stretch. A course a bit like an Alpha course or a Christianity Explore course, if you're familiar with those. It doesn't matter if, if, if you are or aren't. But she joined a course like that. It wasn't actually either of those. But she was the sort of person who had all of the difficult questions. You know those people? I quite like those people myself, because I like a kind of debate and an apologetic. And she was really going for it every time, every week, with these difficult questions. And the, and the hosts, they did their best to give her an honest answer and a good answer, but she came right back at them with the next difficult comment. And they thought they were getting nowhere with her. And then Maggie wrote the course leaders a letter. In fact, she wrote them a poem describing exactly this point in Colossians 3.17, that, that they represent Jesus to her. So I want to read you this poem. It's not the sort of poem that, that rhymes, but, but I want you, if you can, to take it personally, to imagine somebody is writing this to you for your front line, for wherever you find yourself. So Maggie said this, Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises the question in my mind that maybe he is gentle too. Maybe he isn't someone who laughs when I get hurt. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh, I think, what if Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk honestly about arguments and conflicts and scars from your past, I think, well, maybe I'm just a regular person instead of a bad, no-good little girl who deserves abuse. If you care, I think maybe he cares. And then there's this flame of hope that burns inside of me. And for a while, I'm afraid to breathe because it might go out. Do you know, do you understand that your words are his words to someone like me? Please be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. 
please let this be real. Please. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Well, this moved the course leaders greatly, as I'm sure you can imagine. And, and they phoned us straight back as soon as they got this letter. And they said, look, this, that's just wonderful to read and, and so moving. Do you mind if we share it? Which is how I've got it. It's in a book and it's fine to share it in, in that sense. And, and Maggie said, yeah, no, I'm really happy for you to share it. But you need to know something else. You need to know that since I wrote that, I'm in. And they said, uh, just to clarify, what do you mean? And she said, no, I mean, I've decided this Christianity thing is for me. I'm going to try and be a follower of Jesus. I'm, I consider myself a Christian. I'm in. And then they said what I would say in those circumstances. They said, that's great. Which of our arguments was it? <laughs> Which of our answers to your difficult questions was it that convinced you? And she said, no, it wasn't like that. I found enough in you to convince me that there was something in this. One of my front lines is, is golf, and I follow um, the professional golfers a little bit, and I've always been a fan of Bernard Langer. I don't know if you know Bernard Langer. He's, he, he's now on the Masters Tour. He's famously a Christian, and he won, won, the master, won the Masters twice, which is just about to take place next weekend. But I also met another Christian who, unless you're really into golf, you might not, never have heard of, called Anders Forsbrand. Now, Anders Forsbrand uh, was vice-captain of the Ryder Cup and another good professional golfer, never won a major, but he became a Christian. And, and so I, I met him once, and we asked him how he became a Christian, and he said... Well, I became a Christian because of Bernard Langer. So, so we said to him, tell us more. And he said this, he said, Bernard Langer, you know, I traveled with him all around the world. He was a better person than he was a golfer. And I had to find out why. Well, Bernard Langer was a pretty good golfer, let me tell you. And so if he was a better person, then that says something. And it said something to Anders Forsbrand, and it started the journey from which he then followed Jesus. Let's have a look at that second verse. Colossians 3, 23. I'll be briefer on these. Whatever you do, work at it with, it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. So that's this picture, where we picture the Lord is our boss in any given situation. And if he's our boss, then he's the most understanding of bosses. He's the, he's the one who will take our best and make it even better. And therefore, I do it for him, regardless of what my actual boss is like. That's who I'm actually working for. I spoke to a guy who was an airline pilot for um, the Air Force. At, but, no, sorry, he was a mechanic for the Air Force. But he, he didn't want that job. Actually, he wanted to do uh, the job of a church minister. He figured that was the spiritual thing. My whole point is it's all the spiritual thing, you see, if you give it to God, whatever it is that you do. And so he wanted to do this job um, of a minister. But, but, and then he felt God say to him, no, no, I placed you there for a reason. And that changed his job, working for the Air Force. Because he then realized it was, it was God he was serving, and God had placed him there for a purpose. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. And that last verse, please, says Ephesians 6, verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. 
So whoever is actually in front of you, if you're a barista or if you work in a shop or if you're a teacher or if you work in a hospital, whatever you do or you've got a client or some unpaid you volunteer and you serve teaching sports somewhere, as though those people were Jesus. It's the Mother Teresa thing of I try to see Jesus in everybody and that affects the way that I then serve. Imagine that to be the case for all of us. Imagine how things would change if we did that. And so in a, in a, in a dedication service, you heard Zoe lead us through these words so, so beautifully and ask Tom and Jess the, these questions. We're basically saying, do we, do we acknowledge with thanks that we stand where we are in this situation? And then we're saying, do we commit to give our best in this case, to the parenting role. And you, and you heard Tom and Jess say yes. And, and then we say, um, we call on other people to help us. And then we say, well, let's pray. Well, what about if, if that's more than a dedication, if, if that's all of us for all of our roles, for all of our front lines tomorrow? If we, if we give thanks for the places that we will be, Monday through to Saturday, whether we actually like it all or not, we find enough to give thanks in it for. It's not all easy. If we then commit to give it our best to represent Jesus in those circumstances, and then if we call on others to pray for us and support us, and then we pray. If we do that, I think we have a hope to be the hope for the world. My hunch, you see, is that different ones of those three verses will will be stronger for different ones of us today. And just pick one and, and home in on it. So is it the thing that you represent Jesus? Is that your lock-in for this week? If so, go with that. Is it that he is your boss, regardless of who your actual boss is? If so, then commit to that and go with it. Is it that you're going to then try and picture Jesus in the people that you're serving, whether they're treating you well or not? If it's that, then go with that. Let's pick one of those and choose them and commit to them. When um, Luke takes over and the band lead us in some final songs, one of the things I'd like you to do, if you're willing to, as many as, as want to, there's some Sharpie pens, or there were, until the children took them away. Maybe they're hiding around the corner. Now, you've, you've seen the children have a good go at that banner, so it's no, you, know, you know it's not super strong. You may need to put your hand behind it. It's great to have the children here doing that. Love it. Um, you might want to just kind of cement the deal by coming down and, and writing where your front line is. It says, tell us your front line. If you're watching online on Facebook or YouTube, then you can put a message in the chat as to where your front line is, if you like, just to cement the deal as well. You'll see people have written the school gate or their workplace or the NHS. And don't worry if your thing has already been written, but maybe just you're committing your front line as your place of dedication today. And then maybe just pause long enough to pray for somebody else. Somebody's written the armed forces there or judo club or whatever it is that's your thing. Find one other and pray for one other. And that will be a great way for us all to be in a place of dedication today. Let me pray. And so, Lord, if you were me today and tomorrow, if you had my diary what would you drop? Because I want to I represent you as though, as though it was in your name. If, what's not needed what, and what's helpful?
where would you stop and spend more time? And Lord, if I were working for you today and tomorrow, if I treated each role as though you were my boss, what words would I say? What fruit should I display? Show me, please. And Lord, if, if they were you today, if I saw you in those I met and served, how would my approach change? Would you show me that, please? Amen. If you're interested in the work of LICC, we've got a couple of slides just to show you. At the end, you can sign up um, to some regular mailings every week. Um, you can support our work. We're trying to help move the dial on how mission is done in the UK by thinking of us all on mission. You can support that. And if you're onto, into social media, then on any of the social media channels that are listed there, LICC, LTD, and my social media is there as well. I sometimes think the person who dedicated me must have thought, really, all of his names rhyme? Yes, they do rhyme. So my name is Kenneth Leonard Benjamin, and shockingly, that wasn't taken on Twitter. So if you want to follow me there, at Ken Nemben. Thanks, Luke. <laughs>